Welcome to a Cowboy Connection podcast. I believe we're looking at uh, episode number 23 tonight. We're uh, uh, still talking about Ephesians and uh, just getting rocked by it. I don't know about you guys. I'm getting some pretty good feedback on, on our conversation. Joined here with, uh, with Bill and Tad. JR's out working, buying and selling and shipping cattle. So he's He's on the road, and so he's not going to be joining us tonight. But uh, but I think we can handle it while uh, while he's away. What do you think, boys? Yeah, well, I was kind of thinking if I mean I'm if we're you know we're going to be talking about you know obedience to to slaves and masters and and work. So I mean it's kind of fitting he's gone working. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So well, it's. Uh, we're getting close to a year of doing uh, doing our podcast. I need to do a little research, find out when our one year anniversary is. But uh, uh, I, I'll tell you what, I'm uh, I'm loving every minute of it. If you could see my Bible in Ephesians right now, I write in my Bible. I know some people are opposed to that stuff, but uh, Ephesians is just littered with pencil and ink and markings and other scripture verses. Uh, I think that's the way you're supposed to study the Bible. I think that's the way you're supposed to study the word of God. And, and by getting together, uh, by us getting together and, and talking about it, uh, man, I'll tell you what, I just grow, I grow like crazy. So, so uh, uh, I always look forward to, to our time together. I'd challenge anyone listening to this. Do you have an opportunity to get a couple of men that you trust and uh, that uh, might be interested in, studying the word of God with you, find some time to do it and, uh, and jump on it. It's, it's well worth it. Uh, I think it, it's, I think it's almost a necessity to, uh, to grow in the word by studying together. You boys have an opinion on that. I'm going to go beyond a necessity. I believe it's a command because the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of one another together, you know, and it tells us where two or more gather in his name, there he is also. I'm absolutely about the corporate body, you know, getting together with the big group. But, you know, church can be, too, just like here. We're really, in essence, we're having, quote, unquote, a church service as we sit here because we might be, you know, some in Miles City. The land of flowing with uh, rain and snow down there in Miles City. I'm going to poke you in the eye, Tad. We're a little jealous up here in Grass Range and Lewistown area. But, you know, we'll forgive you. And I think, Kevin, did you get some of that moisture, too? We got some last week. We got more coming tomorrow night. Yeah, so, we might poke you in the you might poke you in the eye too. But where my cows are, we got 20 inches of snow there. So at least one of my spots is getting some snow. There on. you go. But anyway, we, we might be spread out, you know, two to three hundred miles away. But really, I'd say we're gathering together here, you know. And so, really, this is this is church too. So I'd go beyond a, a high, strong suggestion to I believe it's command of the Lord to together right. i was just sitting there as you were talking you know we really um you know because we do i'm pastor of the church and then we have a thursday night bible study and then we gather together on this you know so i'm kind of in a way gathering at least three times a week you know with with other believers and then my wife and i we bounce scripture and things off of each other and then i try to um more and more as i can keep podcast and such going and in my ears because it's definitely um you know it, it it affects us it affects our thinking you know i i read a, a quote by her and listened to something and it was a quote by bill johnson here off of a message i'd been listening to and and you know he says if if you want to affect um what you're you're thinking about start uh think about what you're talking about you know and i think there's a lot of truth in that it's a twofold thing the more we think about the word of god the more we talk about the word of god the more we talk about the word of god the more we think about the word of god mm. boy isn't that the truth that is so good i'll tell you you mentioned podcast and and i listen to our podcast um after every every one every time we publish one i uh, I, I go back and listen to it and I'm always impacted by it. Not very often by something I say, but something one of you guys say. Um, but I, I'm the same way. I listen to a handful of podcasts as much as I love uh, listen to good music. Uh, I have really enjoyed listening to, to a list of good 
good teachers and pastors and and uh, and evangelists uh, on podcast, especially when I'm driving down the road. And uh, and so uh, I'd encourage anyone to to just find them some good ones. Uh, you know, I listen to our podcast on Spotify, uh, and I listen to to a variety of them uh, on there. I listen to the Unashamed podcast with uh, the Robertsons from Duck Dynasty. I know I got you listening to that too, Bill, uh, a while back. You know, I listened to to the Village Church, uh, Matt Chandler uh, down in Dallas. Uh, really good. I listened to uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology uh, teachings on podcast. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, it really has made a difference in my life personally, just just kind of turning down the music and listening to some good biblical teaching. And I'd encourage you to find some good, good Bible teaching and, uh, and it'll be good. It'll be good for you. Um, we're so, we're so spoiled really in, in some respects because we have access to, I mean, all of that stuff now. And I'm, I, I've almost always have got something going, uh, on my phone and not that I just sit and listen to it, but it's always kind of going if I'm doing other things. And it's, it's interesting because we were talking at church this morning, we were talking about Joshua one nine and our pastor started off with Joshua one eight. And we had a conversation about it after church. And it says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night Mm. that you may, to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success and then it goes on to talk about um be strong and courageous and be discouraged and, um something that's kind of been stirring um we did a cowboy church service in glasgow it's been three weeks ago now but um i got to hear i got to hear this message twice and it was um uh, Krista Phelan was the one that gave it. And she said uh, the title of the message was to keep your eyes on the promise, um, not on the problem. And we've been kind of talking about discouragement in a lot of different conversations that I've been having lately with other, with lots of different people. And, you know, with the egg situation that we're in and in my line of work, I've been doing a lot of tax planning for people and, and there's just a lot of discouragement out there. And it's really easy to get sucked into that. And I think uh, you started that off, Kevin, and said that it's, it, it's, just, uh, it's just so necessary for us to stay in the word. And when we can have, you know, that good teaching going on and we have access to it just at our fingertips, um, you know, and we cuss technology a lot and social media and all those things, but there's another side to it. And that's, and that's what you've just been talking about. And there's, there's three or four guys that I listen to all the time too. And, um, Bill Johnson's one of them. Um, and, uh, and it's just, we're just so blessed that we have the opportunity to, to have that available really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we can start, we can transition. It's a good, a good conversation to transition. Cause like I said, I, I listened to our podcast the other day and I got to really thinking, you know, we, we talked about children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment of the promise. And you ask an interesting question that I wanted to come back around to, to build on what we're going to talk about tonight. You ask a question about you're 51 years old. How does that apply to you? And, and one of the things I had this conversation with, with a friend of mine the other day, because this part of our, he listens to our podcast and, and this part of our conversation, you know, I suppose the first 15 minutes was really impactful to him talking about, you know, uh, well, probably the first 30 minutes was really impactful talking in our conversation, you know, it's really important to look at the scriptures um, and, and read them for, for how they were written, when they were written, written and who they were written to, 
as much as it applies to us today. Mm -hmm. And so when you read that right there, you ask that an interesting question that, that we can legalize this if we want, but at the end of the day, scripture tells us that when, that, you know, the man is supposed to leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, right? Uh, if we, if we're looking at the Hebrew people that this was written to, you know, in, in our culture, 18 years old is the holy grail of adulthood. Uh, but I tell people all the time, look, if you're 19, 20 years old, you're still sitting at mama's house. And I said this last week, you're not really an adult. You're yep. still taking an allowance or you're not being responsible. You're being a bum. You know, you're not earning a living, making yourself useful. You're not an adult. Right. And so, you know, it, it's there's the biblical principle that says that the father has a spiritual authority or responsibility over their children until which time they move out and they move on. And that may be 25. That may be 28. You know, if my daughters don't, I still, I have a daughter off at college. She's living at college. I still have the spiritual responsibility to steward her well as a father, but she's about to be 20 years old, you know, but the Hebrews adulthood was 13. They became yeah. a man when they turned 13, you know, they were a woman at 13, uh, but they would live with their parents. They weren't even hardly considered adults. Uh, 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 you know, a, a, a priest couldn't even become a, uh, you know, Jesus was 30 before his ministry started. And so we can't look at, at the Holy Grail number of 18, like our government says we can. And so when we're reading scripture, like we're going to read tonight, it's really important for us to study and to understand these things. So we're in Ephesians 6, 5 this week. It says, bond servants, some of your versions will say slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with God, uh, with goodwill, as to the Lord and, to and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So I, I, I want to, I just decided, you know, we've all heard, um, this whole slavery thing in the Bible, trying to be used against Christianity, used against the Word of God. Atheists like to like to um, try to um, bring this moral message uh, that that you know you can't look at the Word of God, you can't look at the Bible as any form of authority because they they bless or promote or approve slavery. Uh, the problem with atheism is, is that absolute morality simply doesn't exist. Uh, morality is a prevailing or individual opinion instead of a universal absolute. And, and so we, we, we study the word of God. We understand what this means. My version says bond servants. What, are yours, what does yours say? There in, a, in six Mine just says servants. Okay. Bill, what's your say? My, mine's bond servants in the uh, New King James, but the New Living Translation does say slaves, if I remember. Are yours? Yeah. That's yours. Are you, anyway, I looked at another translation briefly, too, and it did say slaves there. Yeah, so. mine's, mine's English Standard Version. So when we when we see this, this slavery, bond servant, um, it is, it is this, uh, it is the same, the same idea as, uh, well, um, 
it, it, it's basically, basically an employee that, that owes a debt. And so it's kind of a contractual uh, a, a work agreement. Now, now there's bad slave, slave, there's bad slavery. There's multiple different kinds of slavery. You know, there's a variety of, of examples uh, of different forms. But in this, in this context of bond servant, we know that this is a, a voluntary thing. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I owe you money. I'll come work for you and pay off that debt. The thing about it is, is it comes with, you know, it's like a, a, somebody that, that enters the United States military, right? They enter a contract with the U.S. government for a certain period of years, and, and the government affords the new military recruits certain rights and also provides for them food and shelter and clothing and money. You know, the new recruit acknowledges that the government now kind of, quote, owns him uh, or her labor and time in return for the length of the contract. And so when we look at scripture, right, we understand that bondservant, or in this context, slave, is a term uh, that is, is uh, um, ebed, the, the, the Hebrew word ebed. Um, and it's, it's basically better understood contractual servant, contractual servant, ebed. So if we look at... Um, uh, Exodus 21, 16, it says, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Um, and then we see in 1 Timothy 1, 10, it says the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So we see that this that negative slavery is frowned upon. To take an unwilling person by force and force them to be a slave is subject to the most severe form of punishment that the Bible offers, which is death. So I, I really just wanted to take a few minutes to, to understand what we're talking about when we see this being used here. Bond servant. It's more of a contractual servant. So uh, just, just laying a little bit of a platform, I go back to what we started with, understand what's going on in the time. Same with, you know, children, obey your parents, honor your mother and father. We're looking at this passage and we're understanding that there is a, a certain requirement for us to understand what that term is. And we just can't lazily or uh, we can't be intellectually lazy when we're studying this and understanding it. So um, I'll turn it over to you boys. I've, I've got, I've got a lot to talk about here, uh, too. Cause this, I just really, I feel like this is a real issue in Christianity, uh, today is, is this behavior that they're talking about. So go ahead, somebody take it and run with it. Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead, Bill. Well, I you know, I, I, I actually use this passage and several others kind of around the same idea. And I always, and even in footnotes in my Bible, even talk about it, an employer employee relationship. And I like that idea, though, as you talk about contractual, um, contractual, um, you know, employee or contractual individual. And, and, you know, and actually in the midst of sitting on a wagon today, in essence, being self-employed, I was going through my whole mind of, you know, how does that look? How does it look, you know, being primarily a self-employed individual? What does that look like? You know, and I mean, I, anytime I, I see uh, things that uh, discuss and uh, address work and work ethic in the Bible, I get pretty lit up. Um, you know, I, 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 I keep saying if I ever slow down, I might need to be like Paul and get thrown in prison so I can write a book. Maybe I better not self-prophesy that. But I've always said if I ever wrote a book biblically, um, it'd be about work. It'd be on work, you know, and, and I don't want to stand here and sound like I'm the champion worker or something. But, you know, it's it's definitely a part of of life. It's a part of of um, God's economy. And there's definitely Christian principles out there that. Um, truly truly need to be addressed truly need to be looked at you know 
as far as us as Christians and, and how we work, you know, and so, you know, we get in here and it talks about, you know, um, you know, that, that we are to be obedient to those who are our masters, you know, and again, I could even, you know, probably say employer according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart is to Christ, not with eye service as man pleasers, but bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, you know, and the whole thing about, you know, not being, being just of eye service and man pleasers, you know, that are just when somebody's looking at you, you know, it's, it's, we, it should never be said, said of a Christian that they're, you know, lazy or that they're some of the worst performers or that they're, you know, and, and I teach your students, I teach you the students as Kevin is just even, you know, there's an appropriate time to preach the gospel in word and it's not at work. I mean, you live a godly life, you, you, you live out the life, but our lives in, in the workplace should look so uh, excellent that, you know, we're not just, you know, you know, well, oh, the boss is looking, hurry up, everybody get to work. The boss is looking at all times. <laughs> Jesus sees what we're doing. You know, we like to pull that one yeah, on oh, our that's kids. Good. You know, we, we like to pull that one on our kids. You know, well, Jesus knows what you're doing all the time. Well, guess what? We as, as Christians that are in the workforce, in, in the, the labor force, you know, it's it's our true boss is looking at all all times. And so, you know, I, I just when I look at this and and, you know, I'm going to come from the, the aspect of what I pondered it and I meditate on it is is when we go from an employee employer relationship, if we're the employee, you know, uh, we should be a representation of Christ. You know, Colossians uh, 323 says, do all things heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto man for your reward will be in heaven and you know i know it's easy for me to kind of get to grumbling and planning at times and think it's you know i'm not fairly compensated or you know i work harder than others and you know and 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 the social media is terrible about stirring our minds of things that we should be thinking about you know you see this thing floating around and i mean in the physical realm i don't don't disagree you know what incentive is it for somebody that works hard to work hard if if those that aren't working harder being rewarded or compensated and you know it's easy to go down that road and be like yeah you know they're getting paid the same as me and maybe they don't work as hard or maybe they're not working at all but on the flip side of that i have no right to complain about it Mm -hmm. i have absolutely no right to complain about what somebody else is getting paid or not paid at the end of the day it boils down to i'm working for a master in heaven i'm working for somebody else that that you know that's that's not here on earth and yet i have to look at my employer as this says as that master as that individual you know i can go to matthew 25 and say every individual we look at is is a representation of christ to us you know because jesus said when you've done it on to the least of these you know i know he goes to the list of those who are in prison and those that are you know sick and those that are in the hospital but the least of these at the end of the day is every person we run into Every person we encounter really needs to be truly that we stop and we think, wow, I'm doing this on to Jesus, you know? So, you know, it's easy to get all excited and cheer and man, I, you know, we're going to go take a mission trip and we're going to go to Haiti and man, we're going to serve those people just like they're Jesus. What if we got up in the morning and said, man, I'm going to my job today. Now I'm going to serve that boss. that might even be a tyrant. Might even just be an absolute obstinate individual. And I'm going to serve that guy just like he's Jesus. I'll tell you what, it can change your life. It'll change your working place, you know, and, and there again is we're not to do it as onto man. We're to do it onto the Lord, knowing that he's the one that will reward us. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. What do you think, Ted? Oh man, I am just getting my butt kicked right now, Bill, because I, oh my goodness, I am just, I am just being so convicted right now. <laughs> Praise uh, God. Um, I've just gone through a three-week period again at work where I've been living at that place. And I didn't realize until a minute and a half ago how crappy my attitude has been. And I don't have a boss per se because I am the boss, but I've got 550 bosses uh, because it's the clients that I serve. 
And I, I'm just being real with you right now. The last three weeks, oh my goodness, there isn't a one of them that hasn't kind of ticked me off in one way or another, because it's like, don't they understand how much work I've got to do? And it's like, uh, that just really spoke to me because, um, because of what you said and what the word says there, um, uh, I'm trying to find not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Because if my eyes are on trying to please in my case, just keeping it real in my case, my clients, um, I will never ever be satisfied because I'm not going to please every one of them. I'm not gonna, no matter how hard I try. And, but if I'm doing it with a crappy attitude, then I'm not pleasing my savior either, because that says right here, um, uh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. And I needed what you just said, and man, I hope I can latch on to this. I need to watch this podcast. I usually don't watch them because I can't stand it, hear myself talk, but I might have to listen to this again, Bill, and just maybe I just record that little section right there and pull it out and remind myself every morning that it's not my clients that I'm serving. It's not my partner that I'm serving. It's not my employees that I'm serving. And I'm not saying that I shouldn't serve them. What I'm saying is that shouldn't be my attitude. That shouldn't be my focus. My focus should be um, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to man. And uh, wow, that was really, really, that was really good. Well. You know, I, I'll say, I, can, I mean, I, I can tag on to what you're saying there, Tad, because I'm not saying I'm faultless in this, but because I'll be honest, a lot of times it's like, I'm just choosing to be self-employed. I don't care how hard it is. So that way I don't have to deal with a boss. I don't have to deal with other employees because I just don't want to be around them. I mean, it's so easy to get this mentality. And then all of a sudden I'll look up and I'm like, holy cow, by being self-employed, I have more bosses than just worked for someone, you know, because, you know, I just contract because when you were talking about contractual labor, you know, I just contracted out for two weekends to do this wagon gig. And I mean, granted, it, it was a, it's a great gig. And, and the people that I'm, you know, hired me, I mean, man, they're just grateful because I'm out there and I'm serving the people and, and, you know, but I, you know, I'm sitting out there and I was like, you know, and I, I told them I was going to be late today because I had church and stuff. And, and, you know, it's a nice young lady that's, you know, the one that's coordinating this pumpkin patch and stuff. And, you know, and I show up and, you know, I was giving her a bad time. I says, I made a boss. Sorry, I'm late. And she's like, no, you told me, you know, that you were going to be late and stuff. But, you know, I, and so you stop and you're like, let's see, this is my wagon, my horses, my contract. Oh, wait, I all of a sudden have a boss, you know, yeah. You know, I start contracting, you know, I'm, I'm working on some ranch rodeos, you know, some, some trying to get some things rolling there and stuff. And, you know, all of a sudden you're working with somebody on that. And you're going like, oh, wait a minute. I just got another boss, you know. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not without fault on this, Dad. But, you know, you just said, you know, that, that you know, about your employees and everything. You know, if, if we go in there and look at, you know, and, and I mean, I can say, I don't worry. I get convicted with you, Tad, because when I preach, most of the time I preach a message, I'm preaching it to myself. But, you know, as we go in there and, and you said, you know, you're not serving, you know, your employees or, you know, and such, you're serving the Lord. But by serving them and looking at them as the Lord, it changes an attitude. It changes the way we look at things, because no matter what, you're going to have to serve them. We're going to have to serve these people we work around. You know, we're going to work for them. We're going to work with them. And at the end of the day, if we go in there with this attitude of, you know, how can I, how can I serve them? How can I be excellent? How can I, you know, show Christ for to, to these people, then it'll change our attitude. I think in a lot of ways, you know, you mentioned Colossians three twenty three. I actually had that written down as a passage to talk because Paul almost says the same thing in Colossians three twenty three. He just words it a little different. He first says in 317, he says, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
And so we, we see that he says everything. So if you're an employee, if you're a bond servant or you're a master, you do everything in the name of the Lord. Well, you can't, you can't do evil in the name of the Lord. You know, you can't do bad in the name of the Lord. You can't mistreat in the name of the Lord. And, and then he skips down. He says, whatever you do, work heartily, ask for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And, uh, and, and of course, then in Philippians 2, uh, 14, Paul writes, do all things without grumbling and disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So, um, we talked about this last week as Christians, the Holy spirit dwells in us or are we deaf to the Holy spirit and, and, to your credit, Tad, you've just been convicted by the Holy Spirit. And, and we all have had two or three weeks where we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. And in this case, Tad, to, to get on to you a little bit, because you'd get on to me, right? The Holy Spirit's there for us to remind us, but you probably have been so overwhelmed with work, so stressed, so focused on getting the job done that you became deaf to the Holy Spirit's conviction that he is there to fill you with joy and peace and, and, and uh, self-control and all those things, right? You can, you can attest to that, right? Exactly right. Yeah. And so for exactly us, our right. daily prayer, you said, I'm going to record that get up, when I get up every morning and listen to it, you know? That, that's just another way of saying, I'm going to get up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, convict me of my sin today. And just, and does it give me the ears to hear? Because that's what David writes in Psalm 119 and Psalm, in Psalm 19, oh, 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. It, throughout Psalm 119, we hear David say, give me ears to hear from you. Give me, give me the ability to hear what you have to say. Because my my biggest struggle right now and and it's it's because the lord uh, I've, I've been through i'm going through years of change and transformation in my heart about this topic and it's um it is christians with a with a with a cynical um uh, a cynical heart a cynical attitude you know it, it's he says right here in 6.6, 6, bond servants obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart. It really is a heart issue. Yeah. And, and so we, we want to become so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that in the midst of our grumbling and complaining, in the midst of our sin, we want to be able to hear the Holy Spirit's conviction to, to, to redirect us. To, to repent. Uh, but then in the midst of it, oftentimes we're so cozy and comfortable, we don't want to do it. Right? I, I, I was an angry man for years. And I began to realize that the reason I was so easily angered and I would be, become angry and stay angry is because it was a place of comfort. And that's such a strange thing to say but I would almost be comfortable in my anger. No, I get it. I get I, it. It was, it was almost a safe place for me. And, yep. and I, I began to despise that about myself. And I began to ask the Lord, make that a place of discomfort, a place, a place of pain that I don't want to be. And, and so we, we see, we see Christians that are, that are blaming their boss for everything. Their, their work ethic is awful. You know, they're, they're like Bill talked about, you know, Christians should be the most highly desired people to hire across the country. 
What's unfortunate yep. is you go down to Texas and the illegal aliens that come across are the most highly desired. Why? Because they'll work for anything. It should be the Christians that are most highly desired to be employed. The most employable people in the world should be Christians. Because our you know, work ethic uh, is so strong. Go ahead. Exactly. And, and uh, just as you were saying that, I was thinking about Joseph. You know, he got, he got um, you know, he got sold into slavery. He's in Potiphar's house. And what happens in Potiphar's house when he's there? It prosper. Potiphar, Potiphar's house prospered. Yeah. Until, until what happened with his wife, he got thrown in prison. And what happened in prison? <laughs> Everything around him prospered. And so he got put in the king's palace. And then what happened there? Everything prospered. Pro yeah, exactly. And that's exactly how we should be as 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 employees and as in, in the workplace. And, and I'm not talking about money. I, I mean, that might be part of it, but I'm just talking about exactly what you're saying is yeah. that we should be so sought after because, you know, everything that the Lord, everything that the Lord is in control of, everything that the Lord's hand is on is going to prosper. We just talked about it um, in, in, uh, in Joshua 1, 1, 7 and 8. You know, they meditate on, on the word of the Lord. It should not depart from their mouth. And everything they do shall prosper. And mm -hmm. that, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you, is that as, as, as godly men and women, we should be so highly sought after because um, we bring prosperity to our employers. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is um, um, First Thessalonians chapter four, verses eleven and twelve. If, if you can see in my Bible, I, I write it's written um, is one of my life goals in the New Living Translation. I'm reading the New King James, but in the New Living Translation, it actually says, "Make this your goal." And I'm like, okay, if God writes something in his word that says, make this your goal, maybe we ought to just stop and say, you know what? Maybe I should Let's make this my goal. This our goal. And the, the New King James says, it puts it this way, that you also aspire. So, you know, in an essence, have a goal, be inspired to do this, that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. I love this. I mean, this, this thing just like, I mean, it just encompasses what this would cure a lot of problems. We'll just put it that way. I mean, in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, everywhere. So I'll get back to this, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you before, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. And so, you know, I take this, I mean, and I just, I feel like I'm teaching your mission students here again, Kevin, because I, I take one whole three hour session to teach on work and evangelism in the workplace. How do you, how do you share Jesus in the workplace? And, you know, so I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and, you know, it says that you may walk properly towards those who are outside. So whether we're the employer or the employee and we're the Christian, you know, everybody wants to go work in a Christian business. Well, why don't we go and like we're talking here, why don't we see it prosper and then it will become a Christian environment over time. But so we got this, that we're to walk properly towards those who are outside or who are not in the faith. And, and it just, it just laid out how to do it. It's so easy. You know, we aspire to lead a quiet, quiet life, mind our own business, you know, and there again, we need to serve those, but we all know those people that are work that always, have their noses in places they don't need to be and they you know and it shouldn't be said of us it shouldn't be like well he's always trying to gossip he's always trying to you know hear what's the latest thing going on we should just be working you know if we're working we don't have time for foolishness you know and it just, you know, it just goes on and says that we work with our own hands as we were commanded you know at the end of it it says that we may lack nothing i think that's the whole thing there is that that you know and i mean i know tad you work you know in a, in a, in a um, you know, as an accountant and stuff, but I believe, you know, that's, that's the working with your hands and the way you do, you know, obviously this was written when the labor force was out there. And so, you know, whatever God has called us to do and how we're to work, if we just go to work and go to work, 
it, it makes a huge difference, you know, as far as where our masters or our employers see us. But not only that, what does the other employees in the place see of us? Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of it. You know, we become we become an example to those that are around us even. You know, do we yeah. aspire, do we inspire others to just go to work and get to work? You know, I'm, I have a friend of mine and we were riding the other day at the sail barn and, you know, we were just talking about how we grew up and stuff. And she kind of grew up in a no-nonsense way. And you just, you know, if you told somebody you were going to be there, you're there. You know, yeah. that's just that's just the way it is, you know, time for the deal. And I just... Right, you know, let yes just, be yes and your no be no. Absolutely. You know, and these are just, I think, you know, these are just simple life practices. I know we're sitting here talking about employee-employer relationship, bond serve, master, however we want to put it. But these are just basic life skills that, that need to, you know, I mean, I, I try to teach them in my home to my, my six and eight-year-old, you know, that, that try, how do we model it? Do we, do we model it in our homes so when they leave our home that they're saying, hey, you know what our life goal is? I'll tell you, let's go to First Thessalonians, you know, chapter four, verses 11, 12. This is our life goal. This is what dad has taught me to do. So when I go into the workforce, this is what people see of me. No, that's good. That's good. You know, yeah. I'll just interject one more thing, you know, because like I said, I'm self-employed in a lot of ways. You know, I have to work around home. You know, and, and I mean, it's, everybody thinks it's easy being self-employed. It is, isn't it, Dad? Nothing ever goes wrong. Nothing's ever hard. You know, it just all falls into place. But, you know, even at home, I have to stop and say, you know what? I mean, I have to to be my own encourager, if you will, to get up to go out to work, to go out and do the things I need to do. Because even here, I could be like, well, I'll just go sit in the house and, you know, whatever, watch as the world turns or you know, and just hang out and it'll get done tomorrow. And so, but even that, you know, that's why you have to keep something like this in front of you at all times, that this is your goal to go up and work with your hands. I think you're aging yourself. I don't think as the world turn has been on in a long time, but I could be wrong. I don't don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he, 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 I mean, he spends the first four verses talking about employees but in nine, he says, masters, do the same to them. It means let your work ethic be solid also. Knowing, uh, stop your threatening, knowing that he is both, he who is both their, their master and yours is in heaven and that there's no partiality. And that, that moved me, that sent me straight to Galatians 3. Um, Galatians 3, 28. Uh, it says there is neither, uh, we'll back up to 25. It says, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for you are all one in Christ. Uh, and, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so I think that speaks to the value of people. And as Christian employers and Christian employees, the environment should be kingdom culture. You, you, should, you should, in a workplace that is, that, and, and, and as, a, as a master, okay, as the, the person that is, that is overseeing it, okay, whether we're talking about a supervisor or an owner, whatever it is, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, there has to be a, a something in you that, that convicts you. You have to be willing to listen to that conviction to say, yeah, I need to treat these people well. Well, what about them? Their, their work ethic's horrible. They're this, they're that. Okay, consequences for their behavior and their actions. But, but if we're talking about a kingdom culture, an environment that is kingdom culture, the masters, uh, the, 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 the supervisors, the boss, whatever it is, they, they have a certain obligation to, to create an environment that, that helps people. We interviewed a guy one time. Uh, I'm on a committee. We interviewed a guy to, to run something. 
and we, one of the questions was, uh, how do you intend to work with those that, uh, the, uh, under your employment as the director of this thing? And uh, he said, well, there's no working with at all. I'm the boss and they're going to do what I say. Ooh. And needless to say, he didn't get hired. One of the things that I've, I've come to realize in, in this ministry, Cowboys with a Mission, um, I don't fight with, with my staff about their duties and their responsibilities or my duties and responsibilities. Because we know what our duties and our responsibilities are. There is no power struggle here, right? Uh, God has empowered the board of directors to, to make me the director of this ministry. And God has called these people to come on staff here. And I have to view them in that way. And they have to view me in that way. These are God ordained positions. But the most important thing I have to remember is, well, I think the most powerful thing for me, one of the most convicting things for me was in James. James uh, 3, talking about the tongue. James 3, 9. Oh. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Curse people who are made in the likeness of God. If we cannot look at people in that way and go, yep. These people are made in the likeness of God. These people are the image bearers of Jesus Christ. They have value. They're important. Jesus died for their sins as much as he died for my sins. You begin to lift them up because they're going to respond to that kind of love flowing from you as a leader. He goes on, he says, from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James 3, 9 through 12. It is so important. As employers, as masters, as directors, as bosses, as leaders, that we view people in that light. They are, Matthew 5, they are the light set upon the hill. And that will help us lead better. And I think that will help them serve better. What do you think? As you're talking that, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm, this is where I get convicted because I'm not always good about, you know, stopping and asking somebody, you know, what's going on in their life or what. Now, I'll be honest, I let into the middle of a kid here two weeks ago at the sale barn, and I, I, I talked to him one time about, you know, just sitting on the fence taking selfies and sending them to his girlfriend. It was my joke to him and he didn't respond, and I could have probably said it better, but I did finally let in the middle of him and then, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, things are a little rough, but, but, you know, the, and he, he did finally go do what he did. And I went and talked to him afterwards and says, you know, I, I just, he was really disrespectful in a lot of ways that drove me to that point. I'm not saying my reaction was perfectly godly, but I went and talked to him afterwards. And I, I don't know if I'd say I'm a supervisor, but, you know, I just have a natural ability to try to kind of keep the ball rolling because, you know, you know, you just gotta, you gotta get stuff done. And, and the, the machine needs to move. But anyway, and I went and talked to him afterwards. And I said, you know, I just don't tolerate disrespect. I said, I don't like old guys because it does. It makes me mad when I see an older guy disrespect some young kid. And I said, vice versa. I said, you don't need to disrespect. And we visited about it. But one thing, you know, something that I, that, that I think about is, is as leaders, do we ever stop and find out what's going on in somebody's life? 
do we stop? And, you know, who knows? They, they might be having a bad day because they just got the final notice on their, their power bill being shut off. Or maybe mm-hmm. they got the final, you know, they just found out the news that somebody has terminal cancer. You know, I mean, there's a list of things that, you know, could be what's really truly affecting their performance for the day, you know, and, and I, I, I can say I'm not always the best at, I'm probably really a weak spot. So yeah, I'm now being convicted with you here, but, you know, but I think that's the thing is, is when we're putting God puts us in these places of leadership, you know, our masters or, you know, bosses, whatever the word we want to use here, that he has given us a place of greater influence. He wouldn't have put us here if he, he didn't think he could entrust it to us. And so now I think the challenge for us is, do we steward it well? Do we stop and find out what's going on in somebody's life when they're having a bad day? You know, do we do we just try to punish or do we try to direct? You know, I think that's the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot of people have never really been taught to work. They've never been taught that, you know, I mean, some of these some of these people have never taken the garbage out of their, their you know, in their own homes until they were you know, 18 years old and moved out on their own. They were never asked to do anything. And so, you know, I think that's where if we can take and stop and say, how can I help this person? You know, and I'm, I've, I've encouraged some some young men along and, and I don't know, I may have told this story before, but one of them, you know, I kind of just took it on as a mission. I look at, you know, them 20-ish year olds that have not well, I've been parented per se. Um, they may have had a dad and a mom in the home, but they weren't directed. They weren't parented. They weren't asked to do things. And, you know, he was one who's like, well, I don't know. It's just, I can go full time at the grocery store, but I don't know. I, I kind of want to keep the job at the sale. But I says, man, don't screw up a full time job over a one day a week job, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I encouraged him along. And I mean, and, and, you know, and, and so then he starts sending me texts and then he kind of was going to quit because of this and that. And I was like, man, hang on, get through it. Don't, you know. And then like one of the last messages I ever got from this guy, he's like, Hey, I'm the new night shift manager. He said, uh, now he says that puts me number four in charge of the, um, of the grocery store, you know? And I mean, that's a pretty big deal to go from, you know, I mean, kind of everything you own in a paper sack to, you know, kind of a position like this. And I think that's something that, you know, I always need to stop more often and remind myself of, or let the Holy spirit remind myself of is, what's going on in that person's life and what is their backstory? You know, I mean, it's easy for me to think, man, everybody had a parents like me that encouraged you, kicked your butt, whooped your butt, made you go do it, made you go redo it again, made you do it right because they were training me to go into society and, and not everybody's been that fortunate. And so I just, you know, I think that's the thing is, is and, and, and I mean, it's absolutely what you're saying, Kevin. Do I look at them as with the value? Do I look at them as they are an image bearer of Jesus? Mm. Yeah, good. It's good. What do you think, Ted? Well, I think uh, I had a situation that kind of that kind illustrates what Bill was just talking about. But a, a gal that I work with. Um, and she's about three or four years ago, we were having some pretty serious uh, performance issues. And, um, and my fellow supervisor and, and myself don't always agree on how to handle those things. And, um, and quite some time later, we found out that that exactly what you were saying, Bill, she was dealing with some personal stuff that, that, you know, it, and it's kind of hard sometimes as, as an, as an employer to, you know, there's kind of a boundary there as far as, you know, what's appropriate for us to, to talk about. Um, but I found out later that she was going through some pretty, you know, some pretty hard stuff in her personal life. And today she's, she's, she's the best employee we got. Um, we had a situation here this last year, we've lost about three people in the last year. And every time one of those people left, she just stepped up and just without us even asking, she just stepped up, took the responsibility that needed to be taken, took their job duties over and, and, you know, just, just done a phenomenal job. Um, But if we would have at that time, if we would have just been real hard nose about it, um, we would have lost her. And, 
And we would have been the ones that lost out because, you know, she's figured out her personal situation and, and she's just a fantastic employee now. And so I think that's really important. And one of the things that when, when I worked in a different job, in a pretty large organization, I had, I don't know how many, 50, 60 people under me, probably maybe, maybe not that many, maybe 40. Um, but part of my responsibility was I supervised the, the janitorial and the maintenance staff. And it used to just drive me insane about the way people treated my janitors um, because they were, they didn't see what I saw. They didn't see when those people were there at 10 o'clock at night, scrubbing toilets. And, and um, it just used to just really get under my skin when they would complain about them. And that's, and that's the thought that I always had was that these are people, these are people that have value. Not only human beings, but they have value to our organization too. And um, I had a situation one time, I didn't handle it very well, um, but I had uh, an individual come in one time and, uh, and he come into my office and he was complaining about my janitorial staff. And he said, he said, there's been a broken bottle in the parking lot where I park my car every day for three days in a row. And it's still there. How come, the, how come the janitors aren't picking that up? And I just looked at him and I said, you're kidding me. Are you telling me that you parked in the same spot every day for three days with a broken bottle and you didn't pick it up and throw it in the garbage? And mm. not what he wanted to hear. And I was, I was pretty snotty about it, to be honest, but, um, but well, sometimes no. it sometimes snotty is good for them though. Sometimes that's like, good for people. So let's yeah. don't, well, let's don't, well, uh, I, let's don't swing too far one way. <laughs> I was like, why are you so much better than them as a human being that you can stoop down and pick up some broken glass and throw it in the garbage can? That you walk by right on your way into the into the building, you know, it's like, yeah. But it, it's funny to me. Off. It's funny to me. It, I, I hope I'm not interrupting you, Ted. No, no, it, it's funny to me that janitor janitorial has come up three times for me in the last three days. Sherry yeah. and I were talking the other day about uh, Friday. We got to talking, and we can remember our janitors from elementary school and middle school better than we can remember some of our teachers. Can you guys, right. you remember, you remember who your janitor was in elementary school? Yeah. 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 You can name them. Why? Why? Because those were the, the, the nice people. Those were the good people. And, yep. and as an elementary school kid, I remember my janitor. And then, and then Saturday I walk in and sit down in, in Grable at a for my daughter's volleyball game and the janitor walks over and i know him and i didn't know he was a janitor there and we get to talking and every kid that walked by he's a young guy he's in his 20s he's been a janitor there for four or five years at grable high school and every young kid that walked by before the volleyball game said hey sean you know or picked on him or said something and and then when the volleyball game started he walked over and he sat on the bench with the the, the girls and help coach them. And, and it's like, and, and so, this is the third time in like four days that or three days that janitor comes up. And, and it's interesting to me because going back to the employee part of things, the janitors are some of the most important people in the world and have almost as much influence on our young kids as the teachers do. Yep. But, but yet, but yet, so often are looked down on. They're looked in right. this, this aspect of. But yet, on the other hand, you don't think a janitor's important? Fire them and see what the place looks like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I guarantee most employees don't even know where the toilet paper in the organization is. You know, I mean, it's just like, and and you know, but I think that's the whole thing. You know, I, I just you know there there there's just. So many things that my dad has told me, you know, that still resound. And this this one here is kind of, you know, uh, something that he always, you know, because my dad's a pretty 
unbecoming individual. He's not impressed by, you know, stardom, if you will. And he don't try to impress people. But, you know, he'd tell me this a lot as a kid. He said, just remember, son, everybody puts their pants on the same way in the morning, one leg at a time. You know, and, and I know that's kind of a weird statement, but, you know, just stop and you think about it. You know, there's some people that think because they put their left leg in first, they're more important than the people that put their right leg in. But at the end of the day, we're just all humans. Right. We're just humans trying to make it through this world. And the janitor in at the White House is as important as, as, as some of the other staff there, if you will. And so, I, I you know, absolutely, you know. But I'm, I'm sitting here trying to remember who my uh, junior or my 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 grade school janitor is. And for some reason, that's eluding me. But I remember you know, actually I just do now. I do actually remember who it is. But, yeah, I remember the two janitors. You know, I remember the one from the high school. And I now I remember the one from the, 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 the junior high. But they probably were the nicest people to me. But my teachers were kind of mean to me. But they probably had no reason why. I'm sure I was a well-behaved student. Uh. Oh, that's too good. That's too good. Man, this is so – I look at this stuff sometimes and go, man, I, I, I hope we have enough to talk about, and it's so convicting. I love it. I love the conversation. You, uh, know, you know, I just want to interject this. We're actually going to probably start this study on Thursday nights after the one we're doing in, 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 in Grass Range at the church, and it's uh, – it's called a uh, biblical citizenship by David Barton. And I re-listened to the first message again, and he was talking about the gospel. What is the gospel? And he says, you know, the problem is that we've reduced the gospel down to a sinner's prayer. Mm. He says, and that's not the gospel. Actually, the sinner's prayer didn't come around until the 1920s. And he said, you know, prior to that, how did people get saved? And the thing is, and it's exactly what we're talking about here. He says, when was the last time you heard somebody teach a message in the church on taxes or somebody that has taught a message on employer-employee relationship? And I was sitting there like, that's the gospel. That's what I try to teach, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, but but I think that's exactly what we're sitting here is that, mm -hmm. you know, I can sit here and say my quote unquote sinner's prayer. But if I still live like hell and I don't change my attitude and I don't change my life, have I really been affected by the gospel? Right. You know, if, if, if I read this and I'm still going to, to, to my job tomorrow where I'm the boss, wait, I'm self-employed and I'm a real bad bum. But I mean, when I go to go to somewhere and I'm, I'm the jerk employee, has the gospel really affected me? You know, so I think this is great, great, practical, everyday Christian living is what we talk about here. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Tad, share the gospel and pray for us. Well, I don't know if I can now after what Bill just said. Yeah, we've been sharing the gospel for an hour now, haven't we? Hey, hey, hey Tad, Tad, share, share how they enter. Just, just you know, how it's kind of like bull riding. You had to enter before you could get on the bull. So, buddy, share how they enter, and they can keep listening to the podcast, and we'll teach them how to live the gospel out. So, gotcha. <laughs> Oh, Lord, I just thank you for this night, Father God. I needed this so much. Um, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit that sends us to, to, to correct us when we need correction, Lord, to encourage us when we need encouragement. And uh, I thank I truly, Lord, I, I thank you for this group of men that, that, uh, that uh, have become so close to. And, and I just thank you, Father God, for for men that are willing to say what needs to be said and uh, to even when it's hard stuff to hear sometimes, Lord. And I, I just thank you for it, Lord. And uh, Father God, I just thank you for this time that we've had together to be in your word. And I just pray, Father God, your word promises us that that your word never returns void, but it always accomplishes it always accomplishes what you've sent it out to do. And I just pray, Father God, that you'd open the eyes of understanding for everyone that would hear this, Father God. And I pray that you would help us to apply it, Father, and, and um, so that we could live out the gospel in our lives. And I thank you, Father God, for your salvation. And I just, I just pray, Father God, there's anyone out there that has not 
entered into a personal relationship with you, with the, with the creator of the universe, Father God, that you would just open their hearts, open the eyes of their understanding to realize what you've done for us. And uh, your word says, Father God, that, uh, that uh, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, that we'd be saved, Father God, and that he came to, to, for, uh, to take on the punishment of our sins for us, Father God, that you shed that just wonderful, unfathomable grace to us. And uh, Lord, I just, I just thank you for that. And uh, I just pray that your, your word would, would fulfill what you want it to fulfill as your word promises us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well. Uh, you got any questions? Uh, you got any prayer requests? Anything else? You can send us an email at acowboyconnection at gmail.com. You can reach out to the three of us on Facebook. Uh, Bill, Tad, or me. Uh, JR doesn't have Facebook. He's on Instagram, though. And, uh, man, we'll pray for you. We'll send you a Bible, whatever. Uh, and we look forward to hearing from you. Any feedback, any, anything that uh, the Lord's doing in your life. And, uh, Feel free to reach out, and uh, we'll look forward to getting back together for our, our next podcast. So, hey, God bless. Have a good week. Yeah.